Hello again. My name is Terry Vanderhorst, and this is Russell Gets Revenge, the audio record of my friend Russell and his quest for vengeance. Russell Gets Revenge, an eight-episode series about justice, revenge, and jalapeno poppers. Written and created by Peter Hoffman Kimball. Produced by Peter Hoffman Kimball and Josh Callahan. As a content warning, the series does deal with issues of death, grief, and violence. And before we get started, I want to read an email we got this week from Darius Agumang in Kumasi, Ghana, saying, Really love the show. Can't wait to hear more. Well, that's brief, but we love it. So thank you, Darius. We really appreciate that. And we hope you enjoy this and future episodes. And to everyone else out there, please write a review, tell a friend, write us an email at terry at don'tmattermedia.com. Again, no apostrophe in don't. But now, let's get to the show. Russell Gets Revenge, Episode 3, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and 4. So Russell's friends and family tried to help him move on. They tried to distract him, they tried to get his mind off this crazy revenge idea, like his wife's sister, Sharon. I told him don't do this. It's not honoring Carrie and it's going to destroy your life. And the life of the man he kills. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess, but I just assumed he would fail. Really? Have you seen Russell? He's about as intimidating as a deflated balloon. Okay, sure. He's about as scary as a Mormon missionary on a bicycle. Well, I mean, some people might not have positive thoughts about Mormon missionaries on bicycles. I could see that being intimidating to some. You know I'm Mormon, right? Oh, I did not. So, anyway, yeah. (laughs) I just assumed he would fail, like... I suppose it's possible he could actually find the guy and somehow implausibly fight him to the death. But either way, it's not going to end well for Russell. And you didn't think this might be an important part of the healing process for Russell? Healing through killing? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I know it's this loophole where suddenly it's legal to kill somebody just because it's revenge. But that doesn't make it okay. Oh, oh, it is absolutely not legal. Who said that? That's crazy. This is Sebastian, Russell's lawyer friend. Revenge isn't an excuse or a justification. It's what we call a motive. If you get caught, you absolutely go to prison. It's no loophole. And I told Russell this. Yeah, I legit thought it was legal if it was for revenge. I mean, right? Doesn't that make... So, look, that gave me pause. I'm not really a rule breaker by nature. Did that change your mind at all? It doesn't change my mind. No. But is it a complicating factor? Yeah, I'd say so. Something else to consider. But not a reason not to do it. But Sharon wasn't the only one trying to dissuade Russell. Here's Russell's friend from high school, David Zandy. I told him not to do it. Revenge is never as good as you think it's going to be. You have experience with revenge? Me? (laughs) Sure. Of course. Like, when it comes to vengeance, I think we've all been there, right? Like... I've got a laundry room in my basement of my building, you know, and this guy, Mikey Sahagan would always come in like right after I put my wash in the dryer and he'd take it out, dump it on the counter, still all wet and everything and put his own stuff in like every time, every time. I mean, what, who does that? Yeah, that does sound annoying. I'm not sure it's the same thing that Russell went through. But see, here's what I did. One day I put my wash into the dryer, but I pee all over it. Like, so the clothes are just totally soaked with my pee. Oh. So when he came to move them, like the pee would get all over his hands. 
<laughs> and it was in the dryer, so it must have gotten all over his clothes, too. But weren't your clothes also covered in urine? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably for sure, but... I mean, you know, maybe that's a good metaphor for revenge. You think it's going to solve everything, but in the end, it just leaves you both covered in pee. But dude, it's crazy satisfying as long as you don't think about it too much. Yeah, so I know a lot of people around me didn't want me to do this, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. I I had to do it. So then the question is, how do I do it? Russell started pulling together all the information he had and then putting together a plan. I've put together this planning board. Yeah, as you can see, it's kind of like what you would see in Homeland or you know, a show like that. So for those of you who can't see, uh, which would be all of you, there are several note cards on the board, a mugshot of the killer, and a Rand McNally map of Germany with a pin in Rotenberg Opta Tower. Also to the side, a stack of not-yet-used note cards, some Sharpies, and a lot of yarn. Like, a weirdly large amount of yarn. Oh, you know, um, that's for connecting everything. Right. Anyway, I've broken it down into these main areas. Uh, four steps. Alpha... Bravo, Charlie, and D. One, find him. Two, figure out how to kill him. Three, figure out how to get away without getting caught. And four? Well, four is actually doing it. So what do you actually know at this point? Well, from the police in Germany, uh, I knew a little about the guy. Not much, but enough to start. He was a Macedonian immigrant named Marko Pavikovic. I'd been in Germany for about a year before the incident. And you know what his day job was? Like, when he wasn't robbing and breaking in and murdering? Fake news websites. American news. Hillary, Trump, Biden, Benghazi, Obama, Pelosi, blah, blah, whatever people would click on. This is actually something of a cottage industry in Macedonia, now known as the Republic of North Macedonia. But yes, it came out in the lead up to and in the wake of the 2016 election. Scores or even hundreds of websites purporting to be American news sites were actually being made by young Macedonians. Why Macedonians? What's in it for them? Why are they doing it? For money. Ad revenue. And why Macedonians? Well, they got in early and cornered the market. Sure. And since you really can't make that much money at it, it wouldn't be attractive to most people from Western countries. So, North Macedonia is a nice fit. Fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. It's also an enormously dangerous subversion of democracy and world stability. And all to make about 300 bucks a month. Yeah, so he's a real stand-up guy. I mean, when that's your day job, what do you expect he's going to do at night? Unfortunately, though, there isn't much more that Russell knew about him. The police arrested him and considered charging him, but then ultimately decided against it and let him go. They didn't even track him or anything. So all he knew was Marko Pavikovic, Macedonian in southeastern Germany, computer literate burglar, and sometime murderer. And that's pretty much it. Look, these are stressful times between the pandemic and the election and the murder hornets and that lady down the street who has a real big problem with the way that you throw away cardboard. You know, Deborah. These are stressful, anxiety-provoking times, and you need to be able to take a break, to calm down, to catch your breath, to relax. And what's the best way to do that? Well, Thanks to recent scientific advances, there has never been a better time for relaxing. There have never been better options out there. But 
the most important one, the best acting, most foolproof, 100% satisfying solution has been there and is still there with us. And it all comes down to one word, Ticonderoga. Ticonderoga, number two pencils. You can chew on it nervously, twiddle it in your fingers, slip it above your ear, or you can even write with it. I don't know, like write down your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, your fears, write a note to your future self, write a note to your future child, write a note to your deceased grandfather in some kind of twisted time travel letter writing exercise. It doesn't matter. The point is that you do it with a Ticonderoga number two pencil. Because remember, only a fool uses a pen and only a psychopathic monster would ever use a number three pencil. Ticonderoga number two pencil, because you're a writer, not a monster. Find out more at RussellGetsRevenge.com. And now, back to our show. So the next step was obvious. Find Pavikovic. And I honestly didn't know where to start. I mean, I, I don't speak German. I definitely don't speak Macedonian. I don't even know where, where to begin. So what do you do? Obvious. You find a private investigator. But that presented a problem, too, because, like, I also don't know how to find a private eye. I mean, I could Google it. I can Yelp it. Right. But I, I mean, I, I want him to help me find the guy so I can kill him. So how do I find someone who can help me with that? That kind of info isn't on Yelp. No, it's not. And I've looked. You want a private eye? I can find you a private eye. I'm like a private eye, private eye. Yeah. Long story short, David Zandi was useless. Useless like a tin of white shoe polish for a pair of Birkenstocks. Is, is, is that an expression? Is that a, is that a thing? Anyway, a friend of my brother's knew a guy who had used a private eye once. So we went from there. Hi, the name's Chuck. Uh, yeah, let's just leave it at Chuck. And Russell hired you as a private investigator, a professional who could really get the job done and help him. Uh, no way. I'm not a hitman. No, no, no. Sorry. No, I, I didn't mean that. I just, I just meant, you know, professional. You, you're a private investigator, professional in that sense. Oh, as a private investigator. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. And you've been doing that for a long time? You're very experienced? I don't kill people for money. I don't know who you've been talking to. That's just not what I do. No, sure, of course. You're just an investigator. I help people. That's all I do. End of story. And I'm a license-pending license gun dealer. Oh, okay, sure. W wait, wait. When you say license-pending license gun I'm dealer? I'm a licensed gun dealer. Oh, sure. I just haven't actually gotten the license yet. All right. Yeah, when I first met with the private eye, it weirded me out a little. Because, like, if he is a hitman, then why doesn't he just say that so you could consider that as an option? Or or if he's not a hitman, why does he keep talking about it? Yeah, and just the basic fact that it made this whole thing real. Like, now I'm down the path of no return. Well, not no return. Well, no. Sure, I mean, I yes, I could stop at any point, but I would still have to pay him. There's no kind of refund or anything if you decide not to go through with it? Well, sure. I mean, I paid half up front and half when he gave me the location, but half, that's not nothing. That's still a lot of money. Right. $500. Oh. I'm, I'm not sure if that seems like a lot or a little, considering what you're looking for. Yeah, I don't know. Me neither. I could, couldn't really comparison shop. Sure. But either way, 500 bucks ain't nothing. You know? And now this whole thing, 
It's really happening. And you feel good about that? Sometimes I would think maybe I should just move on. Maybe I shouldn't go down this crazy road. Like everyone in your life was telling you. But then I just think of Carrie and how I can't abandon her again. You didn't abandon her. You don't understand. I, you don't understand. Sometimes I think about it. It races through my mind. Like we were there, you know, asleep in bed and the guy comes in, he, he comes in, you know, it's, it's like a nightmare. You wake up and you see this man with a knife in front of your bed and it's a nightmare. It's just like a common real nightmare. But when it happens in real life and you're both unbelievably terrified and also almost certain that it can't be real, like this is exactly what my thoughts do to me when they want me to go to the darkest places. It can't really be happening. And then suddenly it does. You know, and he's there and he shouts in German or English or Macedonian or Esperanto. I don't know. But I, I get out of bed and I'm, I get onto the ground because I think that's what he said. He ties up my hands and carries out of bed and he grabs her and she's just doing what he says. But he, he grabs her and he holds the knife to her throat and he says, where money, where money, where money? And I don't know. I can't tell him anything. We don't have any money. I, you know, I have my wallet and our passports and we don't, but we don't have any real money. And he's holding her. And then she collapses and she just slumps down. And she falls to the floor and he screams at her. And he yells like she's trying to escape or faking it, but she's not. She doesn't get up. And I'm just lying there the whole time. I'm just lying there like I have some full body paralytic, but I don't. I don't. I, I I have my hands tied because I let him tie my hands because I didn't fight back. And I'm I'm a bigger person than him physically. You know, I used to do a little Tai Chi back in the day. I quit because it was too aggressive, but still I did it. And I always thought I'd be able to handle myself and keep her safe. And I couldn't do it. I didn't even try and fail. I just didn't do anything. I just lay there on the floor with my hands tied and my body unwilling to move. It's unwilling to do anything. And I don't know why. I just, I don't know why. And he runs off. He runs away. Doesn't end up even taking anything. He's leaving and I'm lying there. I'm looking at her lying on the ground a few feet away from me and she's dying and like, yeah, I, I get up and I try to help her eventually. But in that moment, in the moment where she's dying and I know she's dying on the floor and I'm still, I'm lying there. And the thing is, the thing is in that moment, she fell with her back to me. So I, I can't even get to see her face when she died. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what to say. I failed her. And I failed to get justice for her. And now, hey, um, look, I'm so. Can I have a minute? Sure. Yeah. Um, you want a glass of water, or the the bathroom's right over there? Yeah. Okay. One sec. Uh, do you have any tissues? Uh, no, I I don't think so. But but there's toilet paper. Uh, 
No, you're out of you're out of that too. Uh, check the drawer under the sink. No. Second drawer. Ah, uh, yeah. No, yeah. You're right. Here we go. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. So I decided. If I can't get justice, then I swear to God, I will get vengeance. And I will see this through to the end. And if he is going to see this through to the end, then we are going to be there to see him see it through to the end. So join us next week on Russell Gets Revenge. Russell Gets Revenge, Episode 3, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and 4. This episode starring Josh Callahan, Jillian Bellinger, David Alfano, Michael Klimkowski, Jameson Scala, Neil Gargiulo, and Peter Hoffman Kimball. I Don't Matter Media Production. Hey, if you enjoyed this show, then please subscribe, write a review, tell a friend, but don't force your friend to listen to it. I mean, Hopefully, you will be able to tell them, hey, this is something that I like. I think it might work for you, too. This might be really funny. This might be something that you enjoy. Uh, No pressure. No pressure, but I enjoy it. I think maybe this is something you were asking about podcasts. Why don't you try this one? Something like that. Don't force them. Don't hold them down. Duct tape them to a chair and put your Beats by Dre on their ears, forcing them to listen to Russell Gets Revenge. You don't want to do that. That's simply crazy. Please, don't force anyone to listen to this podcast. Just convince them of your undying love for it, and they'll do the math. All right. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.